On this episode, we discuss Home Sweet Hell. A movie I did not believe existed. I don't think we watched a real movie. Like, what did we just watch? What was that? (laughs) I forgot already. Welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm Stuart Wellington. Oh, David Lee Roth over there, I guess. <laughs> hey. And uh, over here, eh, Elliot Kalin, too. Uh, wh- is this some kind of Flop House reunion? Mm-hmm. Guys, you guys have gotten, <laughs> you guys have aged really well over the last. Wow, the energy level in the podcast is already dipping. <laughs> dropped <laughs> going back on precipitously as soon as I started talking. <laughs> Belly flop, yeah. Uh, so Dan, let's but let's do this reunion bit that kind of died on the vine. So okay, you're sure. saying we aged well. Yeah. What do you What do you do now, Dan? I mean, whack back in the olden days of the Flophouse, uh-huh. you were just kind of like you're this a successful TV writer, successful TV writer, but kind of a bad boy on the side. Mm-hmm. Well, have you reformed your ways, or are you a dead from a drug overdose now? Now I'm a professional bad boy. I'm a TV writer on the side. Okay, so we pay you to be a bad boy. <laughs> That's right. What does that do? Does so wait, we the American people do, or like just me and Elliot do it? Yeah. No, no. The it's is it's it a tax pay- thing? Is it a? No. It's not like your a pay- tax dollars come to me. Yeah. Uh, it's not know. like a Patreon account for just being a bad boy. <laughs> no, I'm sure there is one. Of it's those. like a Kickstarter page just for a trip to Vegas. You're gonna take. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a Patreon who's just like. Some dude who's just like, I'm really awesome and a badass, and I wear hats. And people are like, whoa, anything for you, hat lord. <laughs> One of the lesser British horror movies, hat lord. <laughs> it's British, huh? Don't don't put that hat on that way. You'll call to <laughs> hat lord oh, to all dimension. Oh, okay, because there's a lord. Oh, mm, and because ha- of, oh, oh. Get it? Oh. It's all, mm, and, mm, oh, oh. Yeah. Dan, you getting in on this sound okay. effect stuff? <laughs> oh, wow. Right. That's the sound the Hat Lord makes when he appears. Uh, so what have you been up to, Elliot? Uh, well, what, since the last episode? No, since we're still doing the bit, asshole. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, I'm, uh, I own a zoo. <laughs> yeah, we bought a zoo. Just like the film with the same name. I was so inspired by it that I bought one. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, what, did you it's, get a, uh, it's unfortunately it's a Zubilee Zoo, so it's just uh, a bunch oh of people no. in costumes. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, magic and wonder are waiting for you there, so I'm led to believe. Uh, you have been led to believe wrong. Oh, Stuart, what about you? How have you been filling the time since the last time? Oh, uh, just riding the rails. <laughs> and that's not that different from Dan, professional bad boy McCoy. <laughs> but you're, yeah, he found that hilarious. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't have like a Patreon account for it. I'm just, you know, just eating stuff out of soup cans. So soup, soup my hands. Soup. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> not- <laughs> I sometimes put sandwiches in my soup cans. <laughs> 
I mean, once you get used to, uh, like, I mean, you, you call put sandwiches, all, sure. You put all kinds of food on plates. <laughs> a soup can is my plate. Yeah, you're right. Good point. Touche. <laughs> you, you win this logic contest, King of the Hobos. <laughs> Sometimes I have to hold a mirror up to your uh, button-down <laughs> values. What is this? With honors? Because a hobo has just bested my college education. Yeah. <laughs> Are you Joe Pesci? I <laughs> can't. You know, I'm a Joe Pesci on the streets, a Brendan Fraser of the sheets. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, Brendan Fraser. He was in that movie, right? Yes, yeah, he was. was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Correct. For a second, I, with honor. It's, <laughs> For a second, it's I, right there. If you want to do a Brendan Fraser college film festival, you play uh, that and uh, what's that? Ties. School ties. That wasn't a college. I thought that was uh, like a boarding school. Uh. A college is basically a boarding. School. It was about <laughs> yeah. it was about neckties that you wear at school. School ties. Oh, Dan, school I've got so ties. much to explain I to you. <laughs> got so much to explain to you. Is that the one? No, that's toy soldiers. I just answered school my school ties question. is the anti-Semitism one. Toy soldiers is the one with which one's the pro-Semitism one? Uh, uh, I mean. I mean, the movie is pro-Semitism. It's against anti-Semitism. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. not. It's not Jude, Jude Seuss or you know any of the Nazi films. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm just this cool hobo character. Now. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, just trying to get it. Just trying to keep away from the train security. Now I've I've yep. the bulls. Yeah, I'm looking for I'm looking for hobo code scratching the post that says. <laughs> Does play Warhammer here. <laughs> nice gamer here. <laughs> Perfect. I'll take advantage of their hospitality. Avoid. Bad That's loser looks here. And you're, you're floating along the air from the scent of pies. Now I, I have this image. Now. Pizza pies because I'm a 21st century hobo. Yeah, the food. <laughs> so it's what a new food. I love that album of yours, Twenty Hobo. I have an image of your Saturday Night Live audition. Like, what characters you brought? Well, this is my new character, futuristic cool hobo. <laughs> They're like, I think there's too much going on in this concept. Well, I think you are giving the producers of Saturday Night Live a Actually, lot of credit. Actually, if you walked in with the character of futuristic cool hobo and it's sunglasses, a backwards cap. And a bindle, and you're talking about how like you got to catch the hoverboards to get from town to town. You would be on SNL tomorrow. They, w- they would love it. If I also walked in and just fucked up all my lines and broken shit, they'd be like, "Perfect, you're just what we're looking you're for." Yeah. But what celebrities could do? You could do Seth Rogen. You could do mm-hmm. Josh Brolin. Yeah. You could do. Uh, I bet you could do a Timothy Oliphant if they were going to justify a combina- sketch. I could do a combination of those characters. Seth Brolin. <laughs> yeah, he's the ultimate bro. Did you do you guys see my uh, the hamster wheel working in my head? Wait a minute. And all you together? did was take the first name of one and the last name of another and put them together. <laughs> yeah, that character would make uh, Lauren Michaels flip out of frame <laughs> yep. into a bowl of popcorn one of his interns made for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. You put some real Lauren Michaels details in there. Yeah. That's a thing. They call uh, it the Bazooka Joe effect. <laughs> when it's just your feet flying out of the frame. Yeah. Yeah. When a joke is so powerful, it knocks you over and hurts you. (laughs) I'm assuming you were shot by a bazooka, Joe. (laughs) So, Dan, what do we do on this podcast? Oh, um, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. What do we just do? (laughs) What was that? That was a fever dream that we all had collectively. (laughs) Oh, I forgot. We all took ayahuasca (laughs) when we started recording. Mm -hmm. You guys can hear this too, right? Um, Dan created a sweat lodge for us out of uh, 
used Blue Apron food containers <laughs> <laughs> and created smoke from his collection of, uh, I don't know, what, what kind of under, uh, Mack Weldon underpants yeah, or something? burning Mack Weldon underpants. <laughs> yeah, on Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, so, and yeah, we began to hallucinate. We began to imagine what we thought was a movie and is in fact a movie, Dan, or not a movie? Uh, let's try to play America's favorite game movie or not a movie perfect this is the perfect example for it because I am we spent what an hour and 40 minutes watching something I'm not convinced was a movie you're gonna have to show me like a receipt from someone buying a ticket to see what we just watched because I almost don't I believe it's almost like I believe you and your Hollywood friends got together Jimmy Kimmel style and made up a crappy movie <laughs> just to punk us I almost want you to pause your podcast player and then tweet me the name of the movie that we watched because I don't even remember it um it was, well, it's home sweet hell okay yeah. thank you so don't don't do the thing I just <laughs> if you already did it delete the tweet <laughs> Yeah, that right. was that public service a campaign. Delete the tweet. Hey, <laughs> if you say something you don't like, just delete the tweet. Let's let for a better Twitter. Hi, I'm Jack Twitter, creator of Twitter. Okay, continue. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we tweet something we think about later, and we're like, "Why did I say that?" So, delete the tweet. You know, I usually it my- rhymes, so I remember it. <laughs> yeah, that's how rhyming works. Dan, what do you want to avoid? The Noid. When was the last time you saw a Domino's Pizza commercial about the Noid? That's <laughs> true. And yet it is burned into your brain. Was it? Didn't they stop doing the Noid because a guy like yeah. dressed as the Noid? No, came a guy in. with the last name Noid. Yeah, I think was brought that? a gun to who I had, who had mental <laughs> problems. Brought a gun to a Domino's and was like, "Stop telling people to get them stay away from me." I thought me. it was because the Red Bull chased all the Noids into the waves. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the except last for, noise. Yeah, for, except for one last noise. <laughs> Smashing pizzas all over the fucking place. He has to find a wizard pizzas. and some other things. Yeah, yeah with music Sing by America. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. So, Dan, we watched a movie. What was it called? It was called Home Sweet Hell. What was this? Describe, describe it to me, Dan. Sell me Home Sweet Hell. All right. So there's a lady called Catherine Heigl. And she's <laughs> That's her name a, in the movie? <laughs> she's named Mona in the movie. Okay. She's been That's in, how you know. She's at the boss. Hey. So one Italian person in that show. <laughs> I'm assuming you listeners are cracking up and you're probably wondering why are Dan and Elliot not laughing? Because Stuart made that joke a hundred times when we watched the movie. <laughs> yep, very much. And then would tell us you can use that on the podcast, mm-hmm. guys. And then I looked him in the eyes until they looked away. <laughs> uh, so so reoccurring flop house favorite Catherine Heigl. Catherine this Heidel is what, plays. like the fourth or fifth movie she's been in for us? Yeah. yeah. At least three. We should send her some flowers or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody should send us flowers because we had our first ever Jim Belushi appearance on the flop house. Finally, the Belushi. The he finally the lowered himself to make a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, his impeccable, otherwise impeccable record. But there's a lot of big stars in this. Catherine Heigl, Casey the at Belushi. the bat, you know, he's bound to strike out one of these days. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Patrick Wilson was in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chai McBride. Jordana Brewster of the Fast and the Furious series. Mm-hmm. And recently on that, uh, that People vs. OJ TV show. Mm. So who won in that fight? The people or OJ? <laughs> uh, I think that is a complicated television question, viewers. <laughs> uh, I'll so, tell you who, Nielsen. Because <laughs> it did Bafo B.O. Oh, I'm sorry, I meant Nelson, the band. <laughs> who scored the show, The People vs. OJ. 
<laughs> so we're talking more so nonsense than usual because so we is, didn't care for the movie we the watched, experience we just had. The movie we watched is maybe it's like a serial mom. It's one of my least favorite genres of film, which is the dark comedy, which usually means a movie without jokes where there's a lot of unpleasant things that happen, hmm. but the soundtrack is like do 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 and the points it's making about whatever it's about. In this case, I guess like white suburban perfection now, see, this are is, super blatant I, and obvious. I, I not, hate, not as subtle as you've come to expect from Catherine Heigl's other performances. No, or, as uh, we were watching it and the opening of the movie felt like we were watching the opening to the show Weeds. Mm-hmm. The opening to the show Weeds was a subtle delicate play compared <laughs> sure. to this compared to the, it was yeah. it was a it was a it was a hmm, a slight twitch of the lip at the idea of conformity compared to this movie yeah i uh, you're not you're not impugning dark comedies as a whole it's more of this it's specific type I, of I think suburban of, black comedy of all the i mean so specifically that a movie about how underneath the, the surface of the suburbs there's a lot of crazy shit yeah. but also I feel like dark comedies are the maybe the easiest genre to, to fuck up and to do badly. It's very hard to do. Yeah. It's a I tight mean, comedy walk. in general is very difficult for people that don't have sense of humor to properly do. That's a good point too. But I feel but dark comedy in particular because it's a very thin line between Whoa, right. this is this is crazy and pessimistic, but it's funny and I'm a little shocked by it. A very thin line between that and just like this movie where Katherine Heigl stabs a, a a Scotsman with a crazy accent, Kevin McKid. Kevin McKid, and then then uses a katana blade to kill a topless woman, and it's <laughs> and there's blood all over. It's like it, it's a, it, sure it's like sounds great. Well, that's the thing. You describe a movie where Kevin McKid gets killed, and then uh, a topless woman gets killed with a katana blade. I'm probably going to sign up for that movie. I get, this is also after know Kath- thyself, Socrates said. I think uh, no. But- <laughs> But uh, Catherine, this is after Catherine Heigl has already stuffed the severed head of a woman that she dismembered. Dismembered after beating to death with a hammer after her husband poisoned her, uh, and stuffs that into the freezer of these of these criminals. Like it's it's a movie that uh, this kind of movie thinks that outrageousness and blood equals like right fun. It's and it Uh, it's done well. It can be very like shocking and fun, but when it's done poorly like this, I just find it disgusting. Yeah, if it's not if it's not funny, then you're just like, oh, this movie did not earn like just murdering a bunch of people in front of me. And maybe it's because we grew up in the '90s, the golden age of bad dark comedies, when there it felt like there was always a new movie coming out that involved like a prostitute accidentally being killed or someone deciding that they wanted to poison their way to the top of a company or or somebody running around with a duffel ha- duffel bag that has eight heads in it <laughs> exactly there you go there was this eight heads i don't believe it seven <laughs> in heads one duffel bag oh you need to watch uh, this uh, vhs tape i what's, got what's, wait what's a it called <laughs> it's called with honors with joe Pesci. <laughs> eight heads and duffel bag does star joe Pesci, though so but <laughs> but it feel it's the kind of movie I feel like between the release of Pulp Fiction and the release of <laughs> The Matrix, like, when when all the people wow. were making shitty Pulp Fiction ripoffs started making shitty Matrix ripoffs. There was this era when it was like, I guess we'll make a comedy. Get me a ton of fake blood and a got and a hitman with a gun, and we'll dismember something. You know, Look, I need to know. What I can do in Denver when I'm dead. <laughs> I mean, that's not a comedy, though. It is a, like a Tarantino, <laughs> a Tarantino rip-off. Tarantino rip-off. 
I'm just, you know, I'm dead. I've got a few days to kill. Mm-hmm. But I think I've movies, got a few days in the valley. I'm thinking about movies like. <laughs> yep, keep going. You like <laughs> more movies like uh, Very Bad Things or The Last Supper or that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We're like, where well, they were all trying to make to die for, basically. Yeah, which even that <laughs> even that's not, very, not very funny. Good. Like it's not a funny movie. Yeah, but. it's 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 well made, but yeah, it doesn't. The satirical points it's making are, let's say, easy. Yes. The only thing uh, I remember about that movie is that it makes uh, liberal use of the song "Dirty Laundry" <laughs> by Don Hanley. <laughs> so two words that I can't see and not sing "Dirty Laundry." <laughs> So this Comes movie, up a lot. so Catherine Heigl is married to Patrick Wilson. You may know him from Watchmen or Little Children or whatever, anything he's been in. I think he was in The Conjurings. Uh, mm. He was like, he's occasionally on things like Girls. He was in that one episode of Girls. Yeah. He's good at playing like a buff guy who's weak. He's in the second. He's the second in the second season of Fargo, playing a young Keith oh, Carradine. Yeah. That's right. And he's good yeah, in that. Yeah, he, that. that's a good way to put it. I disagree, it. but that's okay. No, I thought he was good in it. I think he's fine. I just think his character is really boring. Uh, I'll give you that. That's fair. Uh, he is he is good at playing a character who looks like he should be commanding, but is in fact weakened on the inside. Like that's he's very good at that. That's true. But uh, so they're married, and he his name is Don Champagne. He run <laughs> he he owns Champagne Furniture, which it took me so long into the movie to realize was not a champagne store, <laughs> but was a furniture store. And he employs his best friend Jim Belushi as a salesman there. Now Catherine Heigl is a very demanding wife. She is prickly and perfect in her in her ways, or demanding to the point of grotesque par- parody. You know, this is like a caricature of a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the most Stepford wife, Stepford Stepford wife. Uh, I guess, except the Stepford Wives were all about, like, pleasing their man. Yeah, and this and Catherine Heigl schedules sex, which apparently happens six times a year. For only 15 minutes each. It's scheduled for 9.30 to 9.45 in her book. Mm -hmm. What are they going to do with that extra 12 minutes? Oh! I thought I was going the other way. Hey, guys. Hey, women. Men are always thinking with the wrong head. Am I right? What's this this thing on? Excuse me. Hello. Anyway, let me let me uh, go do some more of my edgy out there stand up comedy. Uh, You know, guys only want one thing, and women uh, they want a different thing. Elliot, where do you get that stained wife beater that you're wearing? Uh, Well, the term wife beater is inappropriate. Uh, But that's what it says written across the front of your Italian tee you're wearing. Uh, That's because uh, that's a scarlet letter type thing. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. That's terrible. uh, So your comedy comes from a dark place is what you're saying. I uh, I didn't beat my wife. No. This stands for will I forget everything, but everything (laughs) also (laughs) takes every road. (laughs) And it just helps me remember that, you know what? I got a lot on my mind, but if I let it go, it'll come back to me. <laughs> if I just follow well, life. checks it, out. You know, I don't see anything wrong with what you just said. Yeah, that's the acronym. Phew. All right. Uh, so they, he is a, he's, she is playing the type of shrewish character that she often complains about being cast as in mm-hmm. other things, I feel like, Catherine Heigl. And she is always browbeating her husband at the furniture store. And it's clear that, hey, wait a minute. Actually, it's cl- and they talk about how her parents helped pay for their house, helped pay, helped pay the kids' bills. There's some mysterious parents and that we don't get a, to meet. There's a moment near the end where they're like, 
oh, my parents are going to come by for our son's birthday party. And Stuart was like, can't wait to meet these parents. <laughs> they do not show up. They are forgotten completely. But anyway, he is, this guy, he, he just wants to, he, look, his life is terrible. He's unhappy. Uh-oh. And then he hires some he could, pr- pretty young thing to start working at his furniture store. Yeah. He but gets he, very excited by the prospect of a hand job from his wife. A hand job. The most exciting sexual encounter. <laughs> I mean, it depends. Uh, Is, yeah, are you I getting mean, a hand job from, like, Poseidon? That would be pretty yeah, crazy. Yeah, don't yuck on a yum, dude. I'm just... <laughs> don't yuck on a yum. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta interrupt real quick. Is this a word from our sponsors? Is this what's happening? <laughs> no, so I'm drinking this Modelo Chilada. <laughs> so it's a word from Modelo. Okay. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I haven't had one of these in a while. I'm shocked at how much it tastes like a perfect synthesis of a cheap beer and like watered down SpaghettiOs. <laughs> so not an ad for Matillo. I mean, I don't know. That could be somebody's pleasure. Hey, I should yeah, yuck, on yuck, on yuck on a yum. Yuck on a yum. Okay, so. Uh, but he is he's playing like. Kind of like a little bit stuffy, like a button-down suburban dad. He like, is, he's a he's a very he's a hen, and a henpecked husband mm-hmm. and a blue ball. In a way, it a little bit. It feels like we're getting to see what Patrick Wilson thinks like Midwestern like suburban husbands are. Like anyone who's not a not an act not in the creative field, I guess, like that or not. Yeah, it feels know. a little. I mean, I don't know why we're putting this on Patrick Wilson. I mean, it's clear. Oh no, he knew what he did. The three writers. Oh, no. The ri- the writing. Oh, here's the thing. Well, I want to say about the three writers. I want to just say one thing about the three writers. Uh, one of them has like twelve credits. None of them of note. But two of them have like one of them. Their only other credit is a Facts of Life episode. And the well, other one, their only other credit is a I mean, Are a You Afraid of the show. Dark episode. One, that's according to what, IMDb? IMDb. And it's not like IMDb is flawless. Two, they could be doing a ton of uncredited work behind the scenes. A lot of writers. What do you think after that one Facts of Life episode, you got a lot of script doctoring work? <laughs> yeah, or maybe he went and Possibly, drew, ba- maybe drew backgrounds for Katsuhiro Otomo. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's probably it. He did that one facts of life for Are You Afraid of the Dark, and he realized this isn't for me. I better work in the studio of a manga uh, great. What, Masamune Shiro is not hiring? All right, I guess I'll go to Katsuhiro Otomo. I guess I won't draw little stylized tiny versions of the characters like little cat face people. <laughs> oh, man, I love that crap. Uh, so... I, I think the fact that they don't have a lot of credits on IMDb doesn't necessarily mean they haven't been working. But that being said, the pro- the big faults in this movie are the writing, the directing, and the music. The acting is not such a huge problem. Yeah, I would imagine, like, I, I'm blaming Patrick Wilson for a performance that I'm assuming is, like, the brainchild of the director. It is a big performance. Like, yeah, they're, almost he, everything's a big performance. Everyone, all of it thing. is big. But anyway, he hires this, he hires a pretty young lady Mm-hmm. To work in his store, and before he knows it, she is all over him, and they're doing it all over the store. And Which kind of makes sense because Patrick Wilson's like a handsome dude. He's like a handsome. There's a there's a section where he's really getting into shape and exercising a lot because he's been energized by this affair, and it's like he's still looked like he was in pretty fine shape. Like yeah. the guy did not look like. I mean, maybe he was a little dad bodish, I guess. Yeah, but, but that's like, in now, dude. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? Uh, I mean, because of gender double standards. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he was—he's a handsome guy who owns his own business. Come on, 
who owns his own business yet later in the movie, has difficulty coming up with $6,000. I guess liquid. Liquid. A lot of his assets are in the form of furniture stock right now. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. and I don't know, like Etsy coupons and Yeah, I mean, you, run, you run a yeah, small- Yeah, so you can buy stuff on Etsy. You run a small business. It's not like every dollar yeah, you make instantly goes in the bank. It's and all that's... tied up with uh, with Kickstarters he's been backing and haven't been delivered yet. <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm just hoping they all go through because I want those goodies that I'm promised, but I'm hoping they don't go through so I get the money. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. That's kind of how Kickstarter works. Uh, in a way. He, uh, so he starts an affair, and then she comes to him and says, uh-oh, I'm preggers. Oh, man, and that's like, the worst. what am I going to do? And he tries offering her money on the advice of his good friend slash employee, the Jim Belush. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, according to Jim... I should give you some money. He did it. You did not. You did not. (laughs) Stuart puts a pair of sunglasses on. Podcast over. Wait, really? (laughs) We're packing it in, boys. We did it. We made the perfect joke. (laughs) End the series. It's done. (laughs) Because uh, he says, you better take care of business. He was in a movie called Taking Care of Business. Oh, okay. <laughs> what was that? If show? you're a real man. <laughs> what was the show he did with, with Michael Keaton a long time ago? Um, Working Stiffs, was that it? Yeah. Uh, well, he said uh, K9. <laughs> That's right. Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah. Just a, a random letter and number combination. Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Doesn't mean a thing. He goes, hey, buddy, I got one. Here's what you need to do. Blues Brothers 2000. Uh, she is a, she's offended, but she'll take the money. Uh, and it, it's pretty obvious from the moment Curly she starts Sue. coming on to him. Curly <laughs> You're right. You got another, that's another Belouche. There you got it. From the moment that she starts coming on to him, it is Deep clear. Of great movies. <laughs> it is clear that she is setting him up for blackmail. That's the only possible explanation, except that he's a kind of a handsome guy. But and it turns out she is. She's girlfriend to a real sleazy guy, mm. played by the director, right, of the movie. Is that what you? Uh, said? No, one of the producers. My mistake. Oh, one of the producers. Well, I think it was. Hold on a second. But the so the idea of of this woman coming on to him. Oh, you're right. And the, he throws himself into this new relationship, and you know I could have. Once again, I think I think this performance could have been pulled off by somebody <laughs> less uh, handsome, like Patrick Wilson. Like perhaps if they put a a slightly more schlubby guy in this role, or if they'd taken some time to have this guy question, like spend a little more time questioning how this relationship started up. Yeah, or because just, it's literally he. Well, he at one night. He masturbates to a picture of her and falls asleep in his office mm-hmm. after after missing out on a hand job because his wife said his wife says how about a hand job and he takes his pants off and she goes and he, no, he assumes I'll that's an invitation which I mean I think legally that's entrapment <laughs> yeah that's what that is if a, if someone walks up to you and says how about a hand job and you start taking their pants your pants off and they go whoa 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 what gave you the idea that you should remove your pants. I mean, at that point, you've got a pretty good case, I guess, for your lawsuit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he says, well, you told me about the hand job, and you're holding a DVD copy of Entrapment, so. <laughs> I'm taking you to sex court. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dan's uh, late night Showtime show? Yeah. And it was a real, that was like a Playboy Channel show. Oh, it was on the Playboy Channel? I think so. Oh, Peak TV, you know. Peak TV. <laughs> That's, that was the biggest, that was when people really knew Peak TV had hit, when Playboy yeah. started investing in original programming. <laughs> anyway, I never. that's one of those shows that I never actually saw. Sex Court? But I've heard of it. 
but I've never like I didn't get the Playboy channel as a kid. Does it? I don't know if it still exists anymore. So like I never actually seen it. Maybe can you? So are they adjudicating sex or are they sentencing people? to I sex? don't know. I, <laughs> I haven't mean, seen the show. I think one of them is less creepy. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out which is the less creepy one. <laughs> I mean, it's possible that it, it's possible I misread it and it was like Essex County Court or something like that. It would be an odd choice for the Playboy Channel. Maybe the Playboy producing. Channel was trying to get into original uh, New Jersey-based dramas. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there was a night court. What yeah. happens at night? Sex. Well, that I mean, they had a bunch of prostitutes in night court. They're always bringing in people who are clearly like coded to be prostitutes, which is something I didn't understand as a child. No, as a kid, no. I was like, are they shoplifters? <laughs> Nothing's open. And I was like, wow, Dan Fielding has a lot of girlfriends. <laughs> I yeah. mean, the, the concept of a night court was also something I didn't get as, like, I didn't know that was a thing as a kid. So I kind of filled in the backstory that this was like an experiment in the law <laughs> where they're going to have a court open at night and see what kind of crazy things might happen. I was not, there was no part of me that was like, oh yeah, people get arrested at night and they need to book them pretty quickly. But anyway, uh, back to the movie. So she. So why does the judge do magic? <laughs> uh, that's something that Harry Anderson brought to the character. I don't think well, the show was not originally called Magic Judge. <laughs> Although that's a pretty uh, good did, idea yeah. for a show, <clears throat> starring Judge Reinhold. Uh, that no. joke's been made before. Yes, but on Arrested what, Development. But what if he was given magic powers <laughs> and he wasn't a judge at all? What if it's well, called, I mean, technically he is because that's his name. What if it's called Magic Judge, except it's Magic Mike with Judge Reinhold? <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, listen. Like okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Patrick Wilson, he falls asleep after masturbating to a picture of his employee, and when he he's woken up by her licking his face, uh-huh. and it's at that moment that you know, okay, like there's some something's up. A scene that was so overt, and it's like. And her come on that I was like, okay, he's still dreaming. <laughs> yeah, this he's is still dreaming. This is a movie that doesn't really grasp subtlety. It's not trying for subtlety, mm-hmm. and it doesn't get it. Uh, she, they have an affair. She blackmails him. He tries to pay her off. It doesn't work. Then she blackmails him more, and he uh, he admits everything to Catherine Heigl, and she says, "What? You got this woman pregnant? Then you have to murder her." And yeah. so he. To protect their perfect life. Mm-hmm, because yeah. their life that, is perfect. This scene is goals. a tour de force. <laughs> we have a real, like, Lady Macbeth, in Richard that, III turn here. In that we were forced to watch it by Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Who, and this is the conversation we had at the beginning. Dan says, here are our options. I was, I was the cackling. Last witch, I had you the last chained to the wall and whipping you. He said, the last witch finder. And I said, okay, that could be good. Or this movie, Home Sweet Hell. It's different. Than, it's not an action movie, so maybe we'd try that. And Stuart and I, being morons, said, okay, whatever. That sounds good to us. Let's go with the movie we've never heard of that Catherine Heigl's in that I think maybe we made to prank us. And that's what we watched, and it was terrible. Anyway, uh, they they grind up their kid's medication, I think, and mm-hmm. give so much of it to her that she isn't killed, but she is, I guess, it hurts her bad. And she's, she's barfing throwing, up green She's stuff. barfing up everywhere. They bring her home, and Catherine Heigl... Beats her to death with a hammer, mm-hmm. then takes off her clothes, and uh, Catherine Heigl takes off her dress, and then uses like a saw yeah. to cut her body up, yep. Eastern Promises style. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she is because she in is, a uh, a scene like many scenes in this movie where the soundtrack swells and we are we are delivered a crescendo of um, B grade music. Every scene in this movie, they're like, "This isn't funny." But if we either play a pop song really loud or we really put music in like this, 
Boing. Now I think that makes it funny, right? You gotta make the pools of blood around Catherine Heigl's ankles funny. And so here's so. And the IMDb trivia claims that the the music was provided by Catherine Heigl's husband, which I don't know, Friedrich Hegel. I guess us making fun of her husband, she might she might come after us and be like, "Coming after me is fair game." Not coming after my husband. The flop house is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't ask for this. He's a civilian. What was Hegel's first name? Ball peen hammer us to death. Uh huh. And I was based on her in real life. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Originally, it was called Home Home Sweet Heigl. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "Uh, can we draw a little bit less attention to the fact that I'm a murderer in real life?" And they're like, "Why?" Because I'll murder you if you don't. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Cat. Okay. So Not they, really familiar. I mean, they've been working together for a while. Yeah. They dismember the body, and then her boyfriend starts threatening Patrick Wilson. And so Catherine Heigl's like, I guess we got to kill more people. They uh, go to a strip club. He goes to a strip club, and he's forced to take meth in a real training day moment, mm-hmm. yeah, which has really no payoff. He just, uh, here's the, the payoff to him taking well, meth is that he goes outside and, his, and the sun feels too bright in his mm-hmm. eyes. The pay, I don't, and I mean. So you, and Catherine Heigl's well, like, are you on drugs? And he's like, yeah, I took meth. And like, that's it. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I it, think like, she, the, he, the scene specifically mm-hmm. goes, he says, I took crystal meth. And she said, the drug? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stuart laughed then, because that's funny. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then that's it. They, At no point do they say kids don't do that. So I guess all the kids that rush out and see Home Sweet Hell mm-hmm. are all going to become crystal meth. Addicts. But I mean, like there should be a scene in the movie where he's forced to do something normal while on meth, right? Like he has. That like, would be the kind of joke payoff to that setup. Yes, there's like a big like one day sale at his furniture thing that he has to be there. Or oh, it's parent parent teacher conference yeah. day, and he's got to sit through the conference while he's. Tweaking or whatever meth heads do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Teeth falling out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. Teeth are falling out and he's... Yeah, he's, signing uh, a lease on a new track like trailer park home or something. I don't know. He can't afford that loan. He's going to default on it and there goes the economy. Thanks, Patrick Wilson. Blame the crystal meth. Uh, and so that's when... So there's a scene in a strip club. Of course, there's nudity, so our attention was wrapped. Well, the, uh, well, the funny thing about this movie was every time there was nudity, it <laughs> happened while Dan was looking at his phone, and so he would look up just at the last brief frames of nude women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like it was like uh, one of those old co- like comedy sketches from like the Benny Hill Show or something, where a dirty old man is trying to catch girls changing and just keeps missing them. And it's funny because back then it was okay it was to be okay. to do stuff like that, I guess. <laughs> creepy asshole, it was, yeah. Back then, the audience was supposed to sympathize with this creepy perv. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, he is like a tantalus. <laughs> <laughs> Always desiring a drink of that sweet, naked teen girl, I'm guessing. Yeah, that was when Benny Hill's classics education really, really came through. Oh, they're, 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 those, all those people are chasing Benny at the end, but he can't turn Turn around or else they'll disappear like Orpheus and Eurydice. <laughs> uh, so, Dan, uh, so you missed some of the nudity. There's a strip club, etc. So, But in the strip club, there's a great moment where one of the goons who they're just hanging out. They are in a fucking strip club in the middle of the afternoon and it is slamming. It is packed. I want to see jumping. the story about the proprietors of this place. <laughs> 
who are running this super successful strip club that apparently let goons just flash pistols they're whenever they're waving they guns around and doing meth and doing crystal right meth in the open. That's crazy. Now, Stuart, there are a bunch of lap dance coupons in the uh, the, the supermarket circular that week. <laughs> now, I Stuart guess. posited that these guys felt comfortable waving their guns around and doing meth because they owned the establishment. Mm-hmm. And yet, I submit to you, the jury in sex court, mm-hmm. if they were the proprietors of this successful strip club, and I submit to you, it is the middle of the day, the place is is no fewer than six or seven dancers are roaming the floors, let alone the stage performers. There are enough people to support all of that. This is perhaps the most successful strip club in that side of the country. Why would they be blackmailing someone? Easily the county. <laughs> Easily the county, for sure. Why would they, unless it's like Portland, the city that has more strip clubs than any other in America, I guess per capita, uh, why would they be blackmailing this man for a mere $20,000? <clears> I submit to you. I rest my case. So, yeah, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> I don't think they own the place. No. But, but in your home sweet hell fan fiction, they do. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all about Murray well, the, the home sweet. and Murphy. <laughs> I don't remember their names. <laughs> Scottish guy. Well, these are guys who live in what appears to be a squalid trailer, uh, uh, tractor trailer. What, what do they call I'm Fuck. Uh, it's one of those kind of pre, motor- one of those prefab houses. It wasn't a yes. motorhome, right? No, I it guess it was one of those right. like prefab towable houses. And it wasn't. It was not the tiny house lifestyle. And but their which their, is an ethical thing. Their fridge is very well stocked with beer and frozen dinner. Frozen dinner. And they've got a freezer that's big enough to hold a Jordana Brewster in it. So. When she's been cut up. Well, certainly her head and yeah, probably some all. other parts. Actually, I think it's just the head. It's a head and a, a leg and a and an arm. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of Jordana Brewster to fit in. That's a lot of meat. Is. What is she? She Green Lantern's girlfriend. She's all fitting in that fridge. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, and they also own <laughs> they own a fucking gun rack that has Incisive. not one but two katana I blades. Think it may have had three katanas on. That's it. crazy. Only one of which is used. Well, Which that's, means that's somebody, why, I think this whole movie was used just as a ploy for somebody to get two katanas uh-huh. paid for by the <laughs> yeah. company that wasn't used on screen. That's still mint condition, dude. Go use it to fight like an ancient yeah. demon. Uh, go use it to fight an Onibaba or something. <laughs> that's why oh, these, only one of those is going to the local planet Hollywood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the other one, take it, take it and track down a little <laughs> plaque that says Home Sweet Hell underneath it. Track down a Kuroneko with that thing. Why not? It's never been used. Hmm. So uh, Catherine Heigl goes to plant some evidence in the home of these guys who are now blackmailing them, and the threat. And by that, evidence, you mean Jordana Brewster. Jordana Brewster, uh, and the this is the threat. Like this movie, it's just like the, so. The threat that the bad guys give to Patrick Wilson, they say, "Hey, you know your wife. If you don't give us twenty thousand dollars, we're gonna rape you, rape her. Then her, your daughter, then your son. Well, and then you. That's the threat. And it's like." You could have just said, we'll kill your family, like, or just said something bad's going to happen. Like, that's an image I don't want. It felt like the stakes were raised a little too much. There's a reason I didn't didn't watch, what's it called, Uh, a Georgian film, whatever it's called. A Serbian Serbian film. film. There's a reason, I apologize, uh, to Georgia. There's a reason I didn't watch that movie. It's because I don't want those things in my head. That's why you made that mistake. Yeah, if it was a Georgian (laughs) film, it'd be a bunch of guys sitting around eating (laughs) hachapuri. Drinking wine. <laughs> just fucking chilling, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and why wouldn't you want to watch that? That sounds awesome. I mean, I want to join Stirring. Just delicious. It's like, it's like stirring a whole lump of butter into your... Hell yeah, yeah, just dude, mix up egg and cheese and butter in a bread boat. I think yeah. I got a pitch for my uh, my screenplay, Big Night 2. 
Nolan <laughs> is a Georgian time. film. It's <laughs> Georgian. Big <laughs> Night 2 is Georgian this time. <laughs> Look, as long as there's ethnic food types, we can keep pumping out these Hell sequels. Yeah, dude. Ugh. And then Big Night 7. Uh-oh, Italy again. <laughs> oh, man. That, that, that fucking thing that like uh oh time for dan's hot take on big night <laughs> no. or on italian food no the, or on georgian what's food? the name of the thing that we're talking about the, the hachapuri is that what you what yeah. it is is like, it hachapuri or kachapuri i think it depends on I that guess, feels yeah. like a food i would have invented when i was a, back when i was a chubby kid so this is yeah a food well you didn't do the georgian beach <laughs> no it. but it's just like it's like i'm just gonna take a bu- bread and i'm just so i got take, a football of bread <laughs> i've got a couple eggs i'm just gonna take a whole stick of butter and here let's bring nope, in the cheese in we're just gonna swirl that shit around <laughs> and what else should i put in it nothing <laughs> no this is it this is this is heaven on a stick. You know what I hate no about stick. you know what I hate. <laughs> you know what I mean. You know what I hate about pizza: all the sauce and no butter <laughs> and no egg. So I corrected it with my new thing. I call it Dan Pizza. <laughs> yeah, and then a Georgian comes in and slaps me in the face. And <laughs> like, you mm. didn't invent this. And, yep, on he, my, and on my big night, yeah, yeah he serves you papers <laughs> for intellectual property theft. But here's how he would do it: is he would stumble over. <gasps> He'd be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you'd go to catch him to help him because you're a good citizen. He'd be like, oh, thanks, buddy. I just got to say in return, you've been served. And then yeah. he just, you've been served. And then he'd just walk away. And then away. he slips out of the trench coat he was wearing that you were holding. And you're like, what? And you're like, wait, and you he's were- just three little kids. <laughs> they jump on their skateboards and ride off. They can- different the directions. So you don't know who to chase. Yeah. So instead you slip on a banana peel and go, oh, rats. And then a rain cloud appears just yeah. above you and starts raining on you. Because I was trying to invent a food <laughs> that'll show you don't try to achieve your dreams. No, speaking of trying to achieve her dreams, because she has a whole book of goals and dreams that she's yeah. working towards the, the Higgs, Catherine Heigl. So mm-hmm. she goes to plant the body. Uh, the Scottish guy walks in mm-hmm. with his stripper, Conquest of the Night, who starts posing topless with a katana blade for no reason. I and, guess you don't need a reason and to do Catherine that. And Catherine Heigl's character follows like that first rule of improv, dude. She just goes with it. Yeah, she doesn't think twice. Yeah, yes, and. Mm-hmm. She walks out, stabs them both, kills the woman with the katana blade. The police come, and then they call the police and say, oh, there's some bad news going on here when the other folks arrive, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, one guy, the, uh, there's two bad guys left. One of them is killed by the police. The other one escapes by crawling out under the house. Is the music blaring on the soundtrack at this point? You bet it is, because what you're watching is fucking funny. Yeah. But if the music wasn't super loud, you might be like, oh, this is kind of a grimy unpleasant crime movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the music's really loud, so it's probably funny. I should take a shower because I'm never going to feel clean again. Probably not. No. There's also, there's a moment where uh, Patrick Wilson kind of breaks through Catherine Heigl's cold exterior. Yeah, he's like, she, what made you so cold? And she begins to break down and hint that her parents abused her and that before regaining her composure and threatening and saying, in the one funny line in the in the movie, if you ever talk to me like that again... She goes, I'll end you. I'll take one of the knives in my bedside table, and I'll whatever. But it's like, it was the idea that she keeps knives in her bedside table. I think there's more than one funny line in the movie, but yes, that was a funny line that is then ruined by spending too much time with it. I was amused by how happy she seemed to be uh, by the idea of hitting Jordana Brewster with a hammer. Like, as soon as she, like, realized that she was going to have to kill this woman, like, she she suddenly perked up, and her performance was kind of funny in that moment. Okay. Uh, and I mean Jim Belushi's hilarious. He's a pro. Every oh time he's a pro. Yeah. 
He sells every line. Turns uh, it on like like a switch. And mm-hmm. so by this point, uh, Patrick Wilson has begun to realize this wife's a little crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. And at their ch- at their son's birthday party, where he witnesses uh, her browbeating their son over his inability to hit a pinata, and then she starts just insulting everybody at the party and being really <laughs> mean to them. And he learns that she's taken. She tells someone that she's glad that she has Crohn's disease and hopes that she shits herself to death. Yeah, she says, it, and she's this is not really triggered by much of anything. No, it's just the movie is running out of time, so they need to make her as bad as possible, so that when Patrick Wilson sets up a death trap in his garage, and it's also revealed that she killed their neighbor's dog and stuffed it in their freezer. So when Patrick Wilson, <laughs> I love that you say that as an aside. It was that's the type as an of aside movie in the movie. Is. Yeah, usually that's an indication that. The villain totally has to die. And so when he he's we don't feel as bad, I guess, when he rigs a death trap in his house at his son's birthday party to murder his wife, and she dies in an explosion. And I'll never forget Stuart's immortal words uh before before the explosion. I'm ready for some really bad special effects, or I hope that we see some really bad special effects. And then we did some very bad flame effects coming out of the windows. Uh and everything, and then it, you know, we fade out, we fade back. Patrick Wilson's now in a bigger house. He and his kids are really happy. Mm. It looks like their problems have been solved. They drive off in the minivan. Up, the evil boyfriend from before follows them on motorcycle. Cut to credits, and over the credits, we hear gunshots and glass breaking and the screams of children. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, hilarious ending. The final gag. (laughs) Every comedy ends on the screams of children. (laughs) We get up out of our theater seats. Dust the popcorn crumbs <laughs> off our laps, chuckle at our friends, and then walk home. <laughs> no, I, we, we silently walk to our cars, drive home in silence. <laughs> oh, no, we, you leave the we, theater, we go, you're like, uh, what did you think? <laughs> we go oh, the, I don't want to say while other people who just saw the thing I saw are walking near me. I kind of don't feel comfortable uh being loud about my opinions right now. <laughs> why do? Why does that instinct kick in? I have that. We're like, I'll see a movie with my wife, and my wife will go, well, what do you think? And I'll be like, let's talk about it outside. Like, I don't want the other people in the theater to hear my opinions. Yeah, it's really weird. Like, and if even if it's something I like, I'm like, I don't want to reveal <laughs> to these fucking weirdos <laughs> I never have seen before. That Patrick I like Wilson might be in the audience. <laughs> it reminds me when I went to see, I think it was Adaptation in the theaters, and there was an old man sitting across the aisle, and when the movie ended, he turned to me, and he goes, so what did you think? Did you think that was so good? I didn't think so. And, and you I were was like, like, me from the future? What are you doing here? Is there a <laughs> warning you have for me? I got you. We need to save your kids. <laughs> Let's go back to the future. Mm-hmm. The movie. Uh, and I was like, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about it. He was like, you don't know? You must. You just saw it. And I was like, <laughs> and I wanted to be, I was basically telling him, like, I don't really want to talk to you. And he goes, and get some more away. It's like, sorry, dude, this isn't New York 70s cinema culture where you can just finish. When the latest Agnes Varda film stops, you can just turn to your seatmate and ask him and create a community of cineasts who discuss it. He was trying to start his new TV review show, Old Man and Elliot. <laughs> well, if, that, if I knew that was the case, I would have done it. Teach me your old man ways, old man. When I saw Adaptation, that was one of the few times I've been to movies where... The uh, the the really? picture. I thought you'd seen a lot of movies. I know I've only been a couple times, <laughs> and the the screen uh, like shifted. So like the top of the screen, the image was at the bottom of the screen, uh. and the bottom of the image was at the top. <laughs> and uh, kind of because of the movie, I'm like, whoa, this is a really interesting choice. <laughs> <laughs> is this supposed to happen? for about ten minutes, and then I'm like, 
uh, I should probably go tell the projectionist. <laughs> it's like there's a movie, there's a really fun movie called Azumi. That's a Japanese movie about a teenage swordswoman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, uh, there's a part, I, I, I remember seeing it at the New York It's, it's like Lousy with Festival. Ninjas, right? Uh, yeah. And there's basically, and Lousy there's a, with ninjas. there was a part where they, that's also my review for Scorsese's silence. <laughs> <laughs> the, the projectionist screwed up for a couple seconds and shifted the image down too far. Like they might, maybe they're having sex in the booth and they hit the, the projection equipment. <laughs> sure. I don't know. And, uh, the part that is, would have, should have been masked was not. And the boom mic and the reflectors that were being held by the crew in the scene were very, were very visible. And it was like, Hey, come on, projectionist! You got to give this. You got to work with this movie because clearly they thought you were going to be covering this up. They left it in the frame. So that's that is the type. Of, who one of the McElroys had that same experience where yeah, they yeah Travis saw Night at the Museum, and I've never. That seems crazy. I've never seen. But that stuff happens, like because a lot. But of But that time, doesn't sound like something that could happen. It's happened to me. It could happen to you, starring Nicolas Cage. So wait, on every movie, like if I. For for instance, if I had like a really tall screen on my TV, would I see all that shit? Uh, not on your TV, no. Okay, but wait, I'm trying to. But if I took a, if I took a uh, a film print, if you had like a like a just a just a film print, and I just like played it on <coughs> like a brick wall for my cool '80s like party <laughs> that I'm throwing. Depending on the movie, yeah, you might have some. Oh of that wow! In there. To bring okay. it back to pervasiveness. There were a lot of movies where... Uh, were we ever talking about that? I mean, that Benny Hill run from a while back? There are a lot of movies where uh, there was nudity uh, in the home video release that was never shown in the film release because they had masked the top and bottom, but when it was a uh, pan and scan, it was a square frame, oh. and so stuff at the top and bottom was revealed. So like what movie? Give me one. Uh, well, the more, most recent one... And this actually, uh, this actually like the came, rescuers down under. <laughs> this actually came up on uh, on the very same uh, episode of my brother, my brother and me. But that happened in the breakup with uh, Jennifer Aniston. Like her butt was not supposed to be shown, like in the masking of the screen. But like if you saw the 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 pillar box version with the taller uh, sides. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you- not interesting, but it happened, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a thing that happened. <laughs> that's history. Uh, yeah, that's so. Uh, we end with <laughs> that was my moment in nude history. <laughs> that was your moment. I feel like every episode you have several moments. Uh, look, this is the oral tradition. Oh, <laughs> if I don't, if I don't tell these tales, they're going to be lost to time. You're right. That's true. You're right. And then future generations won't know. Dan's like a traveling <laughs> bard character now. Oh, no, that butts exist. Now, so I, I think I figured now, out how your Patreon works. <laughs> I think I figured out what you're going to do when society collapses. Is you're like a traveling storyteller sham- shaman <laughs> who goes from tribe to tribe and tells stories of butts of yore. Yeah, handing out like tiny little hand-drawn Tijuana Bibles to kids. <laughs> <laughs> then, no, but then they'll just call them Bibles because this is the new religion that Dan yeah. is instituting. <sighs> okay, kind of like kind of like Blood of Heroes during or Salute of the Jugger, depending on what country you're in, starring Roger Howard and Joan Chen. So, Dan, uh, you liked this movie, right? No, I didn't. <laughs> Let's go to Final Judgments. Whether this is a good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie you kind of liked, I did not like this movie. It's 
baffling. It's a baffling movie. You wonder while you're watching it who it's for. Who? Why did anyone make this? Why did anyone think of it? Who is it for? How did it get made? How did this get made? Has anyone ever asked that question before? <laughs> nope. We hate movies. Uh, film. Flophouse. Something. Uh, it's like this is maybe, maybe my least favorite of every movie I've seen for this podcast. Wow. Maybe. I can't go that far because it didn't bore me the way that like and there was like a shitload me. of nudity in comparison. That's there was a lot of nudity. We are so true. gross this episode. No, I'm saying for I you. Say. Yeah, but are you gross? <laughs> okay. The actor. Uh, I don't think we're being we're no more we're less gross than we usually are. I would yeah, say that I there is. I think I found this movie. It wasn't as boring, and it did have boobs in it. Okay. But I found it to be so. <laughs> Put it on the fucking so DVD box. <laughs> It wasn't as boring. No, because the box, the box is it. fucked up, dude. The box's tagline is Psycho Wife Unhappy Life. Oh, that's awful. Like, ugh, what, what the fuck? I feel and like that, Catherine well, Heigl is like couldn't have agreed to that. No, and that that typifies this movie, which is like it is it thinks that it is a witty dark comedy, but it is actually like the most retrograde like shit like uh misogynist view of women as like shrews and ball busters or they're out to get money from you with their dick with their i was there with their dicks, they don't know <laughs> their dicks. <laughs> by the way with they the, have dicks they're just they're they just didn't out, tell you they're just out to grab you by the dick and either control you or take your money dudes what are you gonna do i guess we just have to murder them eventually you're just trying to run a successful business with your pal jim belushi yeah like i this was this movie reminded me of uh, – there was a time when me and my office made of The Daily Show for a while, Mr. Sam Means, were collecting – were ordering and collecting old joke books to laugh at how crappy the jokes were. And there was one that he got – we would just buy them from eBay. We didn't really know what was in them. And, and then there, we got a cursed joke book. <laughs> and all of our jokes curdled. What happened was we had to take it to an abandoned carnival ground. <laughs> and so it could do its final business. But we uh, one arrived that was like – that was all like men's party jokes and it was so from the from the early 60s it was so disgusting and it was like so hateful towards women and we were like this isn't fun anymore and we stopped we, we stopped getting old joke books <laughs> uh, and you donated all those joke books to i don't know to hell i guess i don't know <laughs> we we opened up a puzzle box and we threw these joke books in the portal oh, so i guess pinhead's reading pinhead them now them all back. <laughs> this is too much for me <laughs> stewart what did you think uh so i did not like this movie it's not very good um it's not really fun there, I will not lie. I did laugh at a couple of things. Hey, that's okay, Catherine. Look. Like, I think there's things about it that could have been. I feel like every time I watch one of these shitty movies, I always want to play fucking movie doctor and be like, "Well, maybe if they changed the score, or maybe if they try to play this up instead of that, or if they got Chris Gethard instead of Patrick Wilson, <laughs> uh, which I still stand by, would have made this movie better." Um, but the, it's just not very good. I don't recommend it. Ugh. I mean, I feel bad for the actors. I mean, I like Catherine Heigl is pouring her fucking heart into this, and I feel bad for her in particular because we make fun of her movies so much, but it's not like she's bad. Like, she's doing a good job. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay. It's it's really hard. It's hard to tell where the problems begin. Uh, screenplay. Yeah, I think LA, that's where the get, problems begin, yeah. Did you, uh, did you, did you give a rating? <laughs> 
Uh, it's I think it, well I mean clear bad bad this mm-hmm. it, like this movie didn't break me the way that like Food Fighter Oogie Loves did but it disgusted me mm-hmm. in a but way it also that, like didn't make you feel like you should say hey dudes look at this crazy thing no that's true there it had it never reached the sublime insanity it just like repulsed me at, at every look turn. at look at the way Bobby Wobbly smiles and try and <laughs> sleep after that oh you can't wipe that from your sit <laughs> from your soul. <laughs> I'm comedian Emily Heller. And I'm cartoonist Lisa Hannawalt. And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. Do you want to learn weird new facts? Do you like hearing successful creative women talk about their poop? Do you want the scoop on Martha Stewart's pony? If you answered yes to any of these questions, our show is for you. We interview people like Paul F. Tompkins, Kristen Shaw, Michael Che, and more. So check us out on Maximum Fun. And let us mess up your brain. Yes, please. Baby Geniuses, we know everything. Baby Geniuses, tell us something we don't know. But moving on from Home Sweet Hell. Thank uh, you. <laughs> there are a couple of sponsors of the show tonight. Uh, hawking some fine products that we should uh, talk about. Great. Stretch it out. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> Stall for time, I guess. What are, are the police trying to trace the call? <laughs> I'm stalling so I can learn how to read. Yeah. <laughs> so I can read these Write ads. some Looney Tunes scores, Carl Stalling. Get on with it. Uh, are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Dynamite. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, posting your job in just one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 200-plus job sites, That's including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. You can't. You don't need to wear out your clicking finger. <laughs> no, you're going to need that for your new job, dude. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they're hiring. People. For the, the 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 job that you already for, have, where for, you hire people. For pointing at someone to say, you're hired. Look, no longer do you have to drive around from small liberal arts college to small liberal arts college, posting up these help-wanted things on the community bulletin board. Mm-hmm. Just with one click, you can post it to the digital bulletin boards of the Information Superhighway Global Village. Yeah. You don't need to worry about people emailing you or calling your office. You can screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. So right now, our listeners, Flophouse listeners, can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash first. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first. One more time, to try it for free, go to (laughs) ZipRecruiter.com slash first. First. The way you're doing that, Dan, it was like that was the signal for someone to to do something in a in a scheme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Once yeah. more, <laughs> ZipRecruiter.com slash first. Yeah, and the person mm-hmm. that I'm supposed to be signaling is like talking to like the pretty bartender <laughs> yeah. or something. Well, someone's behind me with like a with like a hammer. Yeah. <laughs> just hit me with it, and you're like, once again. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, what's going on? I'm really repeating it. <laughs> and I'm I'm like keep tapping my nose as I say it, and you're like, that's something wrong with your uh, got an itch. Okay, so uh, our podcast is also sponsored in part by Blue Apron. Blue, the aforementioned Blue Apron. Uh-huh. The Flophouse is supported in part by Blue Apron. Blue Apron partners with sustainable farms, fisheries, and ranchers to bring you all the ingredients you need to create incredible home-cooked meals. Ingredients come paired with an easy-to-follow recipe card delivered to your door weekly in a refrigerated box. 
I mean, the box has dry ice in it. It's not, the box isn't refrigerated. Dan Ixnay on the <laughs> undercutting the ales pitch say. Rediscover how fun. You know, I don't think people were worried that a refrigerator was going to show up at their door <laughs> and they would have to carry it in. Uh-huh. How about, I mean, a box but I already have day. one refrigerator. Where am I supposed to put this? And one of these comes with every delivery? I mean, a, a box with dry ice in it, hate to break it to you, Dan, is refrigerated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's got cold stuff, you know what the first refrigerator... What if it was brought to you by uh, yeah, Chicago Bears uh, football player, the refrigerator? No. The current football player, I'm sure. Yeah, no, from when I was growing what up. What was his last name, Dan? I don't know. It's Perry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's the thing. You know the first refrigerated train cars? It's just big chunks of ice. Mm-hmm. On wheels. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's just go a big on. chunk of ice. So you get some delicious. I get you a nice chunk of ice. Uh, rediscover Italian. how fun cooking can be while enjoying specialty ingredients and exploring new flavors, like platypus and cuisines. <laughs> <laughs> get your first three Blue Apron meals free, plus free shipping by visiting blueapron.com/slash flophouse. Blueapron.com/slash flophouse, and we've said in the past. <clears throat> Nice thing to get for people if, for some reason, they ha- are recovering from something. They just had a baby. They can't t- can't eat, feed themselves for a little bit. It's a nice gift. Yeah. Wait, guys. What's that in the sky? It looks whoa, whoa, like whoa. a shiny. <laughs> <was> me reacting. <laughs> okay. I'm doing a bit here, Dan. Just play along. Uh, that's a jumbotron, guys. Oh. Yeah. Can you make it out? I think I can make it out. Let me read it yeah, out loud. I think loud. so. If you can read that, and Dan will stop doing his downtown Julie Brown sounds. <laughs> what? 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 Pronounced Downton Julie Brown. <laughs> Downton Julie. Uh, this message is for Eddie, last name withheld. Vetter. And this message is from Lisa, Emma, and Charlotte, also last name withheld. Mm. Since it's your fiftieth birthday, Eddie. We wanted to do something special to show you how much we love and appreciate you. It seems that in the waning years of your life, the one thing that makes you happy is to listen to the Flophouse. And perhaps a jaunty song from Elliot? Uh? Either way, we love you very much. Great job with the first 50 years. That's very sweet. So should I Try not to fuck up the next 50. (laughs) Wow. All right. Wow. Break your perfect record, yeah. Uh, so should I sing a song? Uh, you want to do uh, a song? <laughs> I don't know if it's setting a uh, strange precedent, but why don't you give us a couple bars of this 50th birthday song okay, for Eddie? You're right. I don't want to set the precedent that every Jumbotron comes with a song, but whatever, it doesn't take much to get me to sing. Hey, Eddie, get ready for 50 more years. The first 50 were pretty good. The second 50, even better. The third 50, a little slow. But the fourth 50, hey, don't you know, those are the best years. The fourth 50 years. From 150 to 200, the golden time, the golden years. Forget your fears, Stuart opened a beer for 50 years. Eddie. Okay. Perfect. That was uh, very, very brief. <laughs> well, for me. Regular grindcore song. So we, uh, what do we do next, Danny boy? <clears throat> next comes letters. 
from <laughs> listeners like you. Oh, <laughs> like this new bit. Yeah, it's, it's, is that a bit? <laughs> Michael Buffer? Just a way of talking. <laughs> Are you going to talk like that all the time now? Yeah, I'm going to talk like I'm constantly buffering. We Dan- do, <laughs> we doing a lot of like scenes and characters tonight, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're regular we're men of a thousand. We're, we're regular voices. league of gentlemen over here. <laughs> yeah. Um. So before uh, the letters, just a quick thanks to Patrick Lim for the bootstrap messenger bags that we got. These are really good That's looking bags. That's a crazy bags. awesome gift. Really yeah. nice messenger very bags. Very nice. Thank you. Um, but a useful gift. And as I become older and am a dad now, useful gifts oh, are the ones God. I really find better, like like diapers. Well, not, not I mean not for me, but I mean, I mean think about it though. <laughs> I, I mean I'll need them eventually, but like I find that like good socks like mm-hmm. that's a solid gift. Like that's a gift I'm going to use and I'm going to enjoy. Whereas if you gave me a video game now, I don't even have a system to play it on. But when I was a kid, I hated socks. I loved video games. You only wanted video games. You're like, I want to find out who ransoms at River City. <laughs> what, was- <laughs> what are these? What makes these dudes so bad? Is this fight really going to be the final one? <laughs> and we'll what see. about this fantasy? <laughs> what if it was a video game about socks? Okay, keep this- talking. Yeah. <laughs> it's called uh, Slidey Guy. <laughs> it's a guy in socks. Sliding around a well-oiled floor. You're thinking of Toe Jam and Earl, the video game. <laughs> okay. Um, no, this uh, first letter. Hark! Over the hill. It's a letter coming over the horizon. <laughs> it's a hill calling with Verizon. It's a letter from far away coming near. Come over here, letter dear. Because we can read you better when you're close to us. And we love to have you so close to us. It's a love song for a letter. Hey, Dan, this letter, it's a love letter to you from nobody. Anyway, start reading. Nobody loves you. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> took a real dark turn at the Jesus end. Jesus Christ. Uh, I apologize. Everybody loves Dan. Hey, hey. He's a regular Raymond. Hey, everyone hated Raymond. All right. Well, the, no, everybody hated Chris. Yeah. Is that the guy who says Bazinga all the time? <laughs> no, no, that's Big Bang. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Dan look at me with more anger and hatred in his eyes. <laughs> Um, so this letter goes, this is, this letter is from Taylor S-A-C-C, last letter withheld. The first S must stand for Swift. Uh, hey Flophouse dudes. First we have the obligatory praise. You guys rock. I work at a distillery two days a week. I have wicked, a wicked commute. You guys keep me laughing the whole time. I even have this special little dance that I do when your opening theme, theme comes on. If you're thinking that sounds very sexual, you're right. Secondly, I have to let you know that feeling curious about y'all's appearances, I was doing a little harmless Facebook stalking the other day. That's never harmless. I forget if I was looking at the list of Dan or Stuart's friends. It's the ultimate taboo. But anyway, right when I went to scroll back a page, I accidentally friended one of your friends. So if a Facebook friend of yours says, in the near future, some weird-looking guy with a beard randomly friended me, you can just smile and say, don't worry. That was just a harmless Facebook stalker. 
That also could be an elaborate attempt to make it so that when when our uh, Taylor here uh, submits a friend request to one of us, we'll be like, oh, we have one mutual friend. I'll click agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, That's a real Facebook strategy, stock grift. Yeah. It's not a grift. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess they're going to get yeah, money yeah. from you eventually, but. It's uh, the Pennsylvania Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> the old Pennsylvania Facebook. Uh, third and most importantly, I want to talk briefly about what I call the cell phone problem. I know it's not Shocktober, but Are please... Are you having a problem with your cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> please stay with me. In all modern horror movies, one problem must be dealt with. Everyone has a cell phone. <clears throat> so in order... It's unbelievable and unrealistic. <laughs> so in order to create tension slash explain why the protagonists don't call for help, that phone must get dropped, smashed, run out of juice, etc. I find it a really interesting problem, and there are a lot of solutions that have become common. Just wondering what you guys all think is the best solution to the cell phone problem. Sincerely, Taylor. I mean, this is pretty simple for me, and I think it's pretty elegant, to be honest with you. See, I'm a big fan of alternate historical fiction. (laughs) Okay, interesting. So I will always set my uh, screenplays, my myriad screenplays that I write, and uh, hand-delivered to a variety of different TV producers and movie producers. Uh, so I'm still listening. You can always send me an email guys and ladies. Uh, uh, but, uh, so the idea of course is that we are in a alternate timeline where cell phone technology was never invented and we only have access to landlines. That's interesting because I had a similar one, which was that all horror movies be set in a dystopian future where cell phones have been banned, like (laughs) rock and roll. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for there's one cell phone character who shows up and you're like, don't kill him, he's a good cell phone. And they're (laughs) like, phones go on the the burn pile. (laughs) My my solution is kind of like in the scene in the Hudsucker Proxy where there's that flashback. Showing uh, them sewing Mr. Hudsucker's... Yeah, uh, he's such a nice man. I give him the double stitch anyway. Yeah. yeah. So I would have them, like, trying to use their cell phone, and then suddenly there'd be a flashback to the ghost or monster or whatever, like, a week before. What, like, calling up the company to cancel the plan? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Going in and stealing stealing the check that they were sending in to cover their last month's bill. <laughs> That's and pretty so, good. I like there you it. Go. I mean, frankly, it's that's a little. I don't know if that's as elegant as their, as the characters at some point in the very opening scenes of the movie, or possibly with an opening text scroll hmm. saying, "In this world, there are no <laughs> cell phones, <laughs> idiot." <laughs> BT dubs. <laughs> oh, but you know, hey, the, before the movie starts going, it's very atmospheric, and then it just pauses, and the director walks out and goes, "Hey, I forgot to mention, there's no cell phones in this world." Capiche? Let's roll it. <laughs> I think the, uh, I mean, I, it, in sometimes in horror movies, the scariest thing about what's going on is that their cell phone breaks or that it runs out of battery. That's always well, like something I'm Green scared Room, about dude. having all the time. I mean, like the cell phone was the fucking crux of Green Room. Spoiler alert. No, but like that's, but just I'm saying the fear of my cell phone not working is a real fear I live with all the time. So, like, that's scarier to me than, like, that a zombie is going to eat me or, or a serial killer is going to come after me. Yeah, like, there's few things more frightening than me waking up with a wicked hangover and be, uh, and seeing my phone lying <laughs> next wicked to me hangover. and being like, did I text somebody something really stupid? Mm-hmm. What a movie. Has anyone made a movie about a guy with a really bad hangover <laughs> who gets into all kinds of wacky adventures? I don't think so. <laughs> I they think certainly didn't hilarious. make three of them. 
hilarious, guys. What about a movie where these guys, they have a crazy night, and then they can't find their car, and they're like, buddy, where's my car? <laughs> what a good idea. Yeah. What about a movie about a Fletch? Have they made one of those? <laughs> <laughs> what exactly is his job again? Is he a, is he a reporter? Yeah, he's an investigator reporter. In yeah. Congratulations. Oh, finally. You won our game. What's a flesh? Oh, man. That's the first and last episode. <laughs> you, hey, what do you get? You get a you get the home game of what's a flesh. <laughs> it just comes with an index card that says what's a flesh on it. Oh, man. I guess I'll have to be game master when I play with my friends. <laughs> if you win... Uh, Chevy Chase comes to your house and you have to be nice to him. If you win, that happens? It's like the fucking ring, dude. (laughs) (laughs) You'll find me in my closet with my face all melted off. (laughs) So, this next letter. Comedy legend. Anyway, continue. Is from Monique, last name withheld. It goes like this. I recently watched Back to the Future with my eight-year-old son. I was around his age when I saw it the first time. I thought this would be a great film to share with him. There was a lot more rape in the movie than I remembered. We also uh, attempted we, rape. Wait, are we talking about Fletch still? I said that. <laughs> Back to the Fletcher, it's oh, called. Right. Or Fletch to the Future. <laughs> oh man. It's a middle it's a it's it's a middle ages movie. Back to the Fletcher. <laughs> uh, I need more arrows. <laughs> That's the whole movie. (laughs) (laughs) We also picked up the Looney Tunes DVDs. And wow, these are hella racist. Which left me wondering about other childhood favorites. Movies that perhaps shouldn't be rewatched as they may not live up to my happy childhood memories. Maybe Chunk doing the truffle shuffle is just body shaming a child. And calling a mentally and physically handicapped (laughs) character sloth and laughing at him isn't funny. I mean, that's also a crappy movie. I'm just going to say it. Goonies is a crappy movie. Are you just mad because at the end when they rip up the fucking contract, it's like they threw a million ripped up contracts in the air? <laughs> you see them throwing you extra chill out fucking I'm shitty. mad about that and because they reference an octopus scene that was cut from the final film, and it's a tease. Uh, but Monique asks, are there other movies from your childhood that the tone was lost on you or just considered acceptable at the time that you would cringe at now? So. I mean, I... There's definitely a, I mean, a movie that I still love that I, I mean, just to be clear, I watch a lot of old movies, so I'm constantly watching movies where I'm cringing at certain parts of it, but like Dumbo I loved as a kid and I still love, but the crows in it are a little questionable, but there's like, (laughs) there's a couple of, sure. I mean, because they are, they're the only characters aside from Timothy Mouse who are nice to Dumbo, like they're heroes in the movie. But they're very much like cigar, stogie smoking, pimp dressed out, you know, black guys who are dancing around and, and singing all the time. So like that's it's problematic. I guess it's not as bad as the as the the Indians in uh, in Peter, Peter Pan. Ben, Peter, oh my lord! Or that one but centaur that make they, the red man red. That <laughs> one centaur that they cut out of Fantasia. Oh, yeah. that, that's just not in it anymore. And you see stills of it, and you're like, God, like how was that ever okay? This like horribly racist black centaur, but uh. I mean, it, growing up in the 80s, there were a ton of movies that where they were about do it was just taken for granted, like high school guys got to get vagina oh and they're going to do whatever dude. it takes to get it. Hey, like, that's I remember funny, watching right? fucking 16 Candles so many times as a kid. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I remember <laughs> I remember like even when I was in like high school, probably or maybe in college, like 
reading, I think I read like an Adrian Tomine comic strip or something about it. And, and I you, got like, I mean, you're I was a big like, fan of Woman Warrior by Maxine Honkinston. Doesn't, doesn't like the like the dreamboat just like hand over his drunk girlfriend? It's horrible. Anthony Michael Hall. Um, and I remember like trying to defend it for a while, and now <laughs> obviously now I realize that it is a horrible, terrible movie. Well, even um, like I remember being shown like Animal House, and people being like, "This is this is really funny." And watching it and being like, I don't, these guys are assholes. Like, this is not, I don't like it. This, there's just too much. I'm, wait, too much. that's how you felt when you saw it originally? Yeah, when I was a kid. Wow, you were really enlightened as a kid. Well, probably I mean, like, I was, I was never into like, I mean, those guys in the movie are like, they're just assholes to people. Like, I wasn't like, yeah, you pulled it over on them. They're just jerks, you know? Yeah, I feel like that movie has a little bit of self-awareness that they're assholes, though. It's like looking back to an earlier time and being like, I don't know, it's playing off of, like, this nostalgia, but showing, like, that the people in the 50s are an asshole. I mean, like, I'm not excusing all of this shit in Animal House, because there's some terrible shit I in I mean, there's and even movies like but. Stripes or stuff. like. There's a lot of movies in the 80s where it was, like, women were made to have their tops ripped off. Yeah. Like, that's what they, or, like... This like Screwballs. Yeah, like screw, the movie at least, where the entire goal is to, I mean... But Screwballs is sleaze. Like, that was not a yeah. major, like, <laughs> beloved motion picture with major Hollywood stars. Like, Screwballs is garbage. <laughs> they knew it when they were making it. Like, no, I mean, there's a movie... Someone Screwballs down a pegger. Like, there's a movie like oddly, Joysticks. I'm not like, Joysticks, you should know better than this. Like, that's that's garbage. It's crap. <laughs> but, like... Yeah. But uh, something like... I feel... It was just very... It felt like it was very... Like, 80s comedies came from a very, like, man point of view where it was about women being things, you and know? it probably started with the fucking writing room and who was allowed to write oh, movies sure. back then. But I'm sure there's other stuff that, I mean, like, I mean, I, I don't know. They were always playing old cartoons on TV that were full of stuff, but... I mean, I've... The really racist ones were off the TV by the time we were watching. There's the so much, like, gay panic, too, and thing. I mean, and, you know, movies that I... I, I have talked about my enjoyment for the very silly movie Monster Squad, mm-hmm. but there's like that movie starts off with kids being. Like, I think it starts off with Dracula getting a fight with Van Helsing. <laughs> yeah, but and he's like, "Don't touch me, as uh, soon as, gay lord or something." As soon as they go Yo, to like totally gay, oh, <laughs> as soon as they go to school, like the kids are throwing around like some homophobic slurs, mm-hmm. like right in like the third scene of the movie. Yeah, that we, stuff's not 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 great. Although kids do talk that way. Kids do talk if that way. If it was, there's, I, I wonder when, yeah. Not those fucking little nerds and Stranger Things. They're cool, dude. Yeah, they are. They're super cool. <laughs> <laughs> I said rolling my eyes. But uh, the, uh, there's, there's a lot of, hey, look, a lot of the, 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 the progress of American culture is towards greater inclusion and inclusion and less, uh, blind, uh, negativity towards the other but uh you know there's I, I wonder what stuff in the future we'll look back on i'm sure people aliens will look back on Cer- independence day and be like that was racist <laughs> certainly not any episode of this podcast go, <laughs> go. Uh, look when it's late at night who knows what you're gonna don't say. listen to the early episodes of this podcast please you probably shouldn't be listening to this one dude go. and do that but yeah, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Thanks the for the inclusion of all the dudettes in the audience. But then you look, you t- you look at a movie. <laughs> you, <fucker. laughs> you look at a movie. Hey dude, I'm just pretty enlightened, Dan. Yeah. But I look at the movies that made the biggest impression on me as a kid: Dark Crystal, uh-huh. Gremlins, uh-huh. 
Gremlins 2 and RoboCop. Yeah. And there's nothing <laughs> really I can find in those. I mean, I should not have been shown RoboCop at the age I was shown. Speaking of which, I, I'd like to take this moment to say rest in peace to Miguel Ferrer, an amazing actor. Did he die? He died today, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, thanks for bringing me down, Stuart. He was an amazing actor. Yeah. So, so sorry you had to find out like this. This is really it, de- le- technically the worst way to find out while you're being recorded <laughs> on a comedy podcast. I had to... Uh, it, it in uh, at home. I was like, "What the fuck?" And then Char- my wife Charlene says, "What's wrong?" And I'm like, "Oh, uh, an actor you don't know just died. Oh, he's so good, even though but he's amazing. As soon as he popped up in a movie, you knew he was the bad guy. <laughs> uh, kinda. I mean, he wasn't the bad guy in Twin Peaks. I think somebody. Okay. I retweeted the thing like that scene in Twin Peaks where he gives that monologue to Sheriff Harry Truman. It's amazing. Did he come back for the Twin Peaks revival? Or did they, like, they have him? Uh, they, the they CGI'd him, like, in, uh, uh, like, no, I mean, they shot, like uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. They shot the Twin Peaks stuff already. <laughs> I, I will, just was wondering whether they... <laughs> no, no, everyone's CGI. It's an all CGI. Way, spoiler <laughs> alerts. Uh, but I will point out that, to tie it in with the movie we watched tonight, while checking IMDb... Jim Belushi's going to be the, the Twin Peaks. Uh, really? Yeah. See, that I would like to, like, that I like. That kind of casting I like. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really sad. Sorry, guys. So, Dan, what uh, what's the next letter? Uh, Sorry, I put the paper down and I was thinking about Miguel Ferrer. Uh, yo, folks, this is from Michael, last name with help. Very informal. Little, <laughs> little Michael Myers, he's probably going to kill us. <laughs> Uh, if you could kill and eat one person from history uh, to gain their power, who would you kill and eat? This one's easy. Me, I'd kill and eat Kevin Bacon. So henceforth, people would have to play the six degrees of Michael, last name withheld. And we know what he tastes like. I love you, Michael, last mm-hmm. name withheld. Raspberries. There was, uh, my, we went to, uh, my, we, my family went to a farm recently. I don't know. Because when you have a three-year-old, you go to a lot of farms to look at animals. And uh, there was a pig there named Kevin Bacon, and Sammy thought it was the funniest joke. He doesn't know who Kevin Bacon is. He doesn't know it's a play on words. He just knows that Kevin is a name and Bacon is something You didn't think the River pigs. Wild was any good? <laughs> <laughs> no, he has not seen it. Sammy's not a fan of the works of Curtis Hansen, journeyman director? <laughs> no, look, I'm just saying he is not familiar with but I'm saying the name Kevin Bacon is the funny. The thing about the name of that know. movie is it lets you know that it's a thriller because you know what word's in that title? Wild. River. <laughs> oh, I mean wild. <laughs> or it could be an 80s TNA movie. <laughs> <laughs> the River Wild, or it's a is there a character named River in that case, what or it's sure? a biopic of Oscar Wilde. <laughs> <laughs> the River, comma Wild. It's a guy, you know, pointing out a river. Wild is Wilde. asking where his frisbee landed, <laughs> and someone's telling him the only thing worse than playing frisbee is not playing frisbee. I think how it would droll, also be how droll, Oscar. <laughs> it would also yeah, be he was a, a big good, uh, fan of Froth. <laughs> That's what they call. He's called Frolfsker Wild. <laughs> Is that a Muppet baby? <laughs> uh, I think River Wild would also be a good name for Rivers Cuomo's first solo record. <laughs> but he's very sedate. That's yeah. the problem. Uh, so what was the question? Who would we eat? <laughs> so to take this is super easy, dude. Yeah? Who's your answer? No question. I would eat Andre the Giant. For one. 
he's oh, there's a lot of him, so I know I wouldn't be because you were worried you you would go hungry with a normal human being. <laughs> yeah, I know the portion size is appropriate for a grown steward. <laughs> uh, and then also he serves a, one steward, and in his name, he's him. a giant. I want to be a giant. You want to be my giant? Well, the thing. <laughs> Like, I kind of already am, Dan. Uh, but no, like, this is a guy whose both wrestling skill and ability to consume alcohol is oh, almost legendary. legendary. Yeah, very much so. Uh, so, Dan, who would you eat, I guess? I would either eat someone who I thought was... A you know, like Russ Meyer or some shit. Would, yeah, we know. I would eat, Tinto like... Tinto Brass done. <laughs> I don't need that. I already have that in my life. Uh, no, no, but you, uh, you have the ability to <laughs> convince women to just parade their butts around in front of your camera? Uh, I would either eat someone I think is a comedy genius, <laughs> a, a Groucho Marx or a Steve Steve Martin, Okay. or I would eat... That guy's still alive, so this kind of counts as a threat. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> or I would eat uh, Paul Newman, because he's, he's, uh, be- he's a beautiful man who aged... Magnificently. You know that there's a little bit of Paul Newman in every bottle of Paul Newman salad dressing. <laughs> that, yeah, that's there's a slogan. molecule of Paul Newman in there. So you you'd kind of drizzle that on top of that Paul Newman Newman's own popped corn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's a trick question, guys. Eating humans is wrong. I'll tell you what I want to eat to gain its power. Oh, wow. A dinosaur. Okay. Give me Just one. Any dinosaur? I mean, I'd certainly rather have a theropod or one of the powerful carnivores, but I'll, I mean, given the chance, if you hand me like a big, like a little bit of like a Plateosaurus or one of the more boring dinosaurs, I'm still going to eat it. Sure, definitely. You give me a Dimetrodon, which is technically not a dinosaur, I'll still eat it. This looks like a dinosaur. What about a pterodon? A pterosaur? Yeah, sure. A pterodactyl or a pteranodon? Yeah. yeah Ramphorhynchus? Yeah, yeah. Any of those. Give it to me. Because they look like Sauron, the dinosaur man. The thing is, here's the thing. It used to be a lot easier to eat dinosaurs in your fantasies. You just take a bite. Now, because of modern science, we know they're covered in feathers. you got to pluck those guys first. Or else you're going to get a mouthful of feathers. Uh, sure. So, there's one last... Uh, I gave a useful tip. <laughs> You guys were talking about cannibalism. I gave a useful tip. That's news you can use. <laughs> There's one last uh, email. It's a tip for teens. It's really mm-hmm. quick. I'll just... Uh, okay, let's do this. Adam, last name withheld, says, Dear Floppers, I'm stuck. Do I watch the original Taking of Pelham 123 yes. or Castle Freak? I think it's time <laughs> we had the ultimate bout between these two classic... Uh, classic... What the... I, I There's a typo in here, so I don't... Classics... Yeah, blame the water. Of cinema. Yeah, it's a poor carpenter, Dan. Elliot and Stuart, defend yourselves. We're in the Thunderdome now. Uh, well, Taking Pelham 3 is a genuinely great movie. Castle Freak is... Uh, Go on. <laughs> it's it's fine for what I'll it say does. say it to my face. <laughs> I would say only one of those movies is going to leave you not feeling grimy afterwards. Actually, they'll both leave you feeling kind of grimy. Yeah, it's 70s New York, baby. Yeah, but that's cool grimy, as opposed to... Italian uh, uh, castle. <laughs> as opposed to Monster Man devouring a prostitute alive. Grimy. That does happen. <laughs> so... I mean, Jeffrey I would, Combs' performance is great. It's difficult to compare Castle Freak, a movie I like very much, with Elliot's favorite movie... Um, but they're both great and 
we live in a free society. You shouldn't be, you're not forced to only watch one. That's true. You can watch one after another, watch mm-hmm. one, and then when watch the another ki- one later. Watch Castle Freak, then when the kids go to sleep, put on that taking a fellow one, two, well, three. Oh, wait a minute. I mean, neither is child appropriate. <laughs> I've been telling Sammy recently, I've been go- saying, telling him about movies I'm going to show him when he's older. Uh-huh. So I'm like, my favorite movie, Sammy, I'm going to show you when you're, I think, 12. And he's like, okay. And that's like a decade from now. <laughs> It's nine years. You're now, talking about what? Uh, Castle like, Freak. <laughs> That's what I no, was thinking. Taking a one, two, three. I he's was going to say Ichi the Killer. <laughs> <laughs> like you're 12, you can handle it. He's he's like, oh no, but wait till the guy takes off his his sweatshirt and he is, he's totally buff underneath. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's worth getting through all the horrible stuff for that. Uh, all right. So no definitive answer there. It's a question lost to the ages. I mean, what, I, who knows? Write in and tell us which one you watched. Watch them both. Tell them which one you like more, mm-hmm. or don't. I, we're, we, Stuart and I, are very secure in our opinions, in our tastes. We don't need in someone your manhood. else. Yeah, very much. In my, I mean, I have created human beings, so I'm incredibly secure in my manhood. <laughs> that little boy came out of Elliot's ballsack. <laughs> he just half of him leaped out of him. <laughs> yeah, like, like like Athena, Athena yeah. from Zeus's ballsack. <laughs> really, it's from his head. Uh, Look, he punched his way out of your ball sack. Stewart doesn't need someone to tell him. It sounds that, like a species sequel in the works. <laughs> Stewart, I have. A, I want to talk to you about your spec porn script for this porn parody of Alien, where the alien bursts out of a guy's test, uh, scrotum. We're seems not, we're like not gonna, a mistake. <laughs> it seems like it's not sexy. It's not a particular. It's not a very trenchant way to go about it. It seems like you, you're missing some obvious choices, and you're very co- clearly. The alien that bursts out of the person's chest should be a wiener, and then a lady should have sex with that wiener. Or a dude. I don't know. Look, whatever you want to do. But also the title, Scrotum Alien, <laughs> it lacks a certain subtlety. I think it's Look, a it pretty tells, good pun. It tells you exactly what you're going to get, though. That's the beauty <laughs> That's of it. That's fair. That, but, what, yeah. Ed, like Edward Penis Hands. Okay, Edward Penis Hands is a much better play on that title. So, yeah, you look at Ridley Scott's movie, Alien. It's called that because there's an alien in it, dude. <laughs> Good point. How is it any less blatant than Scrotum You're Alien? Right. Good point. And Prometheus is called that because it's got a Prometheus also, in it. Also, Scrotum Alien is going to be able to draw from two different banks of interests. <laughs> People that are interested in Scrotum-related activities. Your sci-fi fandom, yeah. which is very big right now. Oh, it's huge. And Scrotums, like half the population has one, and the other half, a lot of them are interested in it. I mean, I don't know if I yeah, say that's what that, women love that. the most is the scrotum. <laughs> well, they probably like the, the texture of the skin. Uh, oh, it's reminiscent of the skin uh, you might find on a chicken. Yeah, <laughs> or someone's elbow. Be, or an it elbow. Would, it Thank would be you, a Dan. pretty. It would be a pretty weird version of Mel Gibson's "What Women Want" <laughs> if. He learns what he finds out. He can hear their thoughts and all they're thinking about is scrotums. And he's like, really? Of all the parts of a man's body, that? The deflated basketball part? Fast, fast forward many years and Mel Gibson is this like shattered, broken, he's like, racist uh, man. They're all he's like, it's all because of the scrotums. I can't stop seeing them in my waking nightmares. He's got a wall that's all pictures of scrotums with pieces of yarn going. Oh, I haven't cracked the code. This conspiracy doesn't Makes sense. Damn you! Time I fell in a bath with a hair dryer and gained women-based telepathy. Uh, now, what a stupid movie! <laughs> no, I, I mean I think I feel like that's one of those movies that everyone knew was stupid the moment it was announced. Like, 
right? Yeah. It wasn't. It's like the young pope of movies. <laughs> 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 so what do we do now on this podcast, Dan? <laughs> on lastly, this, on this death march of a podcast. Lastly, uh, we recommend movies that we actually liked. Movies you should watch instead of Home Sweet Hell. Uh, anyone got anything good? Uh, I got one. If you don't, if you guys don't want to go first, uh, so I was thinking this is a movie about an unhappy a guy in an unhappy marriage who turns to an affair. To get what he wants. And I did recently, not too long ago, see a movie about that same subject that I liked, except for the very ending, and that's Pennies from Heaven, starring Steve Martin and Bernadette Peters, uh, and Christopher Walken has a small role in it that I'm sure everyone's heard of before where he dances. Uh, and it's set during the Depression. It's an adaptation of the British miniseries of the same name that Dennis Potter wrote. And it is about a sheet music salesman in the Depression who is, he dreams of owning a music store and his idea of what life is supposed to be has been informed by the popular songs of the era. And that shells him what love is supposed to be, what success is supposed to be, what happiness is supposed to be. And he lies and seduces a schoolteacher into an affair, and their lives kind of spiral out of control. But it's very much a musical where the performers are lip-syncing to the songs of the era. And the musical numbers in it are gorgeous, a lot of them. And the dancing's really good. The movie itself is super bleak. And the ending, they tack on a kind of fantasy happy ending that's supposed to be a fantasy, but and it makes the whole thing that much bleaker. So the ending I actually found, it made it too unpalatable. But up to that point, I really liked it a lot. And it was, uh, Steve Martin is playing a main character who is not a likable person, but at times gets your sympathy, uh, but does bad things. And it's a bleak movie, but it's an interesting tonally... Uh, What's the one I'm thinking about? Uh, it's just an interesting movie, and the musical numbers are really good. All right, so Elliot recommends Bleak House by Charles Dickens. No! Bleak movie by Herbert Ross. <clears throat> uh, I watched a movie that's still in theaters. It's called Manchester by the Sea. Oh, uh, yeah? <laughs> oh, did you see little, that movie? Do a little more. Can't get hey, to that movie me, from here. Hey, it's like the Beantown bad boy. <laughs> 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 Beantown bad boy Casey Affleck strikes again Boston jewels stolen Boston Batman after Casey Affleck Beantown Batman asked, uh, asked about his We Beantown got a wicked brother. crime over here Robin Beantown Batman <laughs> Get in the back car I'm Batman <laughs> No don't touch that it's hot lava Harvey Dent can we trust him <laughs> Oh wow <laughs> Harvey <laughs> Commissioner <laughs> we gotta find a joker <laughs> stupid accent um, great town though great town <laughs> uh, I guess it's time to announce that live show in Boston <laughs> the fire rises oh wow I don't think it's any secret that uh, I'm not a very happy person a lot of the time oh poor dude uh, I was I was having a bad day uh my my thoughts were bleak, much like the movie Pennies from Heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I made plans to see Manchester by the Sea and almost immediately regretted it, <laughs> thinking, what the hell? Why would I? What What, what am I doing to myself? Is, is this movie just going to make me want to kill myself? What's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's going uh, on? I don't know Dan? what's going on, Dan. <laughs> uh, but then, you, you expect another... 
laugh riot balls to the wall action cut to action flick from Kenny Lonergan. <laughs> Famed comedy action auteur Kenneth Lonergan. Uh but well the thing is when I when I got there, I mean like the thing about Kenneth Lonergan movies is they're not they're not wacky comedies by any stretch yeah, of the imagine, like imagination. No, yeah. But there is a lot of <laughs> humor in his work. Like he um he's very talented with his characterization is so specific and so human that there's a lot that's funny about it, mm. even when the situations are tragic. And Manchester by the Sea is almost ridiculously tragic in the situation that it depicts. But um, the the cinematography is beautiful. The performances are great. I mean, uh, you know, people have said a lot of things about Casey Affleck, but... He is a Beantown bad boy. <laughs> but, yeah, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> Quote one Stuart Wellington. Michelle Williams and Kyle Chandler are excellent in it. The the kid, whoever he is, is <laughs> Jackie great. Coogan, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you're scared yeah, of the it's movie, Prince, right? The kid. <laughs> I guess I'm saying if you're scared of the movie because you think it's just going to depress you, it's just a movie. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, just keep it's telling just yourself movie. it's just a There's movie. There's no actual Wishmasters. <laughs> you can't oh, get wow. lost through the waxworks portal of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that reminds me of the the much uh, much laughed about tagline for the new Rings movie, which is a sequel to either The Ring, Ringu, or The Ring 2, uh-huh. uh, where the tagline on the poster just says, first you see it, then you die. <laughs> <laughs> An no. interesting uh, invitation. <laughs> and also it's a description of every movie ever made. Uh, um, very true, yeah. The po- then encompasses a certain amount of time. Yeah. The point is Manchester by the Sea is so good that even if you're feeling awful, mm-hmm. you're going to find a lot to enjoy. So it. mope, don't walk to mm-hmm. Manchester by the Sea. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I, I'm kind of a believer in the idea of like if I'm feeling down sometimes listening to like hilariously depressive music can make me feel a little better. Yeah. Or like watching something that I think, you know, watching something. My, uh, my wife and I are a little different. She doesn't. She doesn't like watching stressful things because her life is stressful enough. Whereas I like to watch super fucking stressful stuff because it helps me break the tension of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. There's a catharsis in it. Mm -hmm. Kind of on that note, the one misstep I think the movie has is when the... dance party ending? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like the end of Zatoichi. (laughs) (laughs) That's great, though, that end of Zatoichi. (laughs) Yeah. It ends. I love that they're all dancing, <laughs> and the uh, dancing is really good at the end of Zatoichi. No, the, the 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 central tragedy of the movie, which happens, you know, around the middle portion of the film. No spoilers. Uh, I won't say what it is. It is almost hilariously tragic. Like it is so far into the realm of tragic that it's like. Oh, like the sort of thing that if we were just joking around, there's a decent chance we would fucking hit it in a super sweet three point shot. Yeah. But <laughs> so this horrible thing happens in the middle of the movie and it is scored to the most overbearingly dramatic, like uh, classical piece of music with like with Carmina Burana. huge crescendos <laughs> in it. Like, it, I don't know if it is church music, but it sounds like 
like uh, classic. So it's kind of like in Platoon when when they're playing that classical music over him at the end, and you're like, I get it. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, I get it, Night Owl. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> It's the sort of thing where you're doing it with Sally Jupiter. Great. This would be a lot more effective if there was just no music and it played out in Mm. just reality. Uh, Instead of just, I'm walking on sunshine. (laughs) Whoa. I mean, you know, I'm glad that Katrina and the Waves got their uh, little taste there. They got a little (laughs) sweet resist. Kenny Lonergan's always said, if I'm making money, Katrina and the Waves are making money. (laughs) That's the deal I made. <laughs> With the devil. That's why I sc- their music scores my hit play, Lobby Hero. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's a good movie. See it. Stu? <clears throat> um, I'm going to recommend... Uh, I'm actually going to recommend two series of movies. Uh, because by the time this comes out, you'll have about a month or so before each of these horror movie franchises are going to get a fancy box set Blu-ray oh, treatment. I know one of them. So I'd recommend checking these out. I probably recommend some of these movies individually, but I think this is a great time for you to check them out. And also this will be a great time for me to fucking finally see the last one of these. Uh, I'm going to stop beating around the bush. Okay. <laughs> uh, build up. So the first, uh, the first, uh, well, I'm going to recommend the, the phantasm movies and the Wishmaster movies. Uh, both of those uh, are a little bit like I, I, I'll say B horror movies. I fant- I think I'm being a little unfair to Phantasm. Phantasm but is is slightly above that level. Is yeah. above that. Wishmaster is very. But they're much both that. kind of they're both low budget horror movies. I yeah. guess. And the Phantasm movies are genuinely great, and uh, they get more interesting as the series, maybe not as the series goes on, but they're just interesting and strange and weird. Well, the mythology certainly deepens. The mythology definitely and deepens. The, and the story goes places you don't expect it to. Exactly. And that's there's a definite joy to that. And the fact that each movie begins immediately where the last one left <laughs> off is no amazing. No matter how much time has passed for the actors. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> just, you're like, wait, how does that guy have no hair? He had hair in the scene. And this before. is going to be the first time that some of these movies are going to get like a, a Blu-ray treatment at all. So that's great. Um, and I actually haven't even seen the fifth one yet. I haven't seen Phantasm Ravager, even though it's been available. I just haven't. When did it come out? Uh, I think it was on VOD for a little while there. Oh, I didn't and I, that. I'm I probably seen that I feel like I missed the window or something. And I'm dumb and lazy sometimes, so that's what happened. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to know that I'm going to have a big chunk of time so that I can sit and watch it. You want to watch it all the way through. Watch it. Yeah, I want to want do. I want to run the series unmolested. You so want to get your corn, get your giant soda. It's going to require me to set up Snickers. some kind of a wacky baby's day out for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the other series is because uh, gangsters are chasing her. <laughs> <laughs> Was that what happens in that movie? I That's think crazy. So. He, he swallows a diamond or something. Yeah. Charlene is walking across a girder <laughs> while they, they're trying to follow her. And uh, the and the, then the other series is the Wishmaster series, which is definitely a goofy B horror movie series. Uh, the first one is is really great and fun. I think they definitely go downhill after that, but you know there's still moments. It depends on what your mileage was that with that thing is. So obviously take it with a grain of salt. Uh, I will say that the first one manages to feature a ton of great B horror movie actors, including Phantasm superstar Reggie Bannister himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, who plays the character Reg in the uh, in the Phantasm movies? Um, just just seeing the Phantasm movies, who plays seeing, the character Bannister, the living Bannister, <laughs> uh, and seeing Reg go from the sidekick essentially, the comedy sidekick, to being the hero of the films. It's really great. Is, is amazing. It's, it's a magical moment. 
Well, it's the moment when he takes two double-barreled shotguns and using a little mm-hmm. bit of ingenuity turns it into a <laughs> four-barreled shotgun. <Wide> shotgun. <laughs> mm. I love that scene in like 80s movies where they're just like, we're going to just like low-tech uh create awesome new weapons well then we're just gonna duct tape a couple of things together and all of a sudden (laughs) it's a super weapon i remember watching phantasm 2 for the first time on a vhs tape and being like almost immediately being like what the fuck is this wait this is picking up immediately where the last one left off and not even really remembering the first one that much and having to like as soon as that that one ended, going back and rewatching the first Phantasm because I'm I had no idea what was happening. Oh, it's great. Um, it's a good series. So that's it for us. Uh, We're dying. That's all I get. That's it. That's is that all there is to this episode? This is a long episode, so yes. Longer than the movie again. We did it, boys. <laughs> We've continue, continued our uh, contract with the devil. <laughs> <laughs> what are we getting out of this contract? I feel like it's this like, speed thing where if we ever record an episode shorter than the movie, Dennis Hopper will blow us up. <laughs> devil, the devil's like, you got those sweet messenger bags, didn't you? <laughs> Looks like I'm holding it my end of the bargain. Mm. Mm, the classic fade devil. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right. Well, let's sign off before this runs even longer. Uh, for the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, um, Stuart Wellington. Elliot Kalen here saying good night. Charlene is really keen on the idea of getting everybody matching pajamas for the uh, <laughs> yeah, for the trip to Chicago. She mentioned that to Danielle. I think that'd be pretty funny. With feet, right? Yeah, with feet. I'd wear those. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Why would you listen to a podcast of TV pilots that never got made? It must not have been any good, right? I don't know for a fact that anyone read it. They couldn't get the deal done. There was kind of a regime change. Someone at the studio who was in a decision-making capacity said, these guys seem like losers. They just blamed it on, okay, well, it must be women. We got word that USA had decided to stop doing comedy. Why aren't we making this? It was so good. Hear the TV comedies you never got to see on the Dead Pilot Society podcast. Listen on MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts.